Welcome to the Rockcast. I am your host, Monty Colvin. I identify as an NBA basketball player, and my pronouns are he and ha. So glad you could join me. Today, like usual, I'll be jumping randomly all over the place, telling you stories, uh, answering your questions, and playing some cool tunes. But first up, I wanted to just start out with a little honesty. Here on the Rockcast, I like to be transparent. Huh? Uh, and I don't mean I'm a transparent. I am a parent, but I'm not transitioning into anything. Oh, good. But I do like to be as honest as I can, and I wanted to share a little bit on how I make these shows. Now, unlike most podcasts where somebody sits down for an hour and they talk or they interview somebody and they record it and then they're done... Some of these episodes take me up to two or three weeks sometimes to make. And that's why I only put out about one episode a month. Now, why did they take me so long to do? Well, mainly because I'm busy most of the time working on my art. In case you haven't heard, that's the way I make my living these days. And on average, I'm usually drawing or working on a painting about eight hours a day. And that doesn't really leave me a lot of time to do other things. And so what ends up happening is I work on the podcast a little here and a little there. One day I'll record five or ten minutes worth and then I'll come back to it and record more. And eventually I'll sit down and I'll edit it all together and then it sounds like I just sat down and talked for 50 minutes. And so that's the truth on how I make these episodes They're very time-consuming, but it's the way I do things. And that's kind of the way it is with everything I do. I don't care how other people do what they do. I just do it my own way. Uh, I just do what I do. It's kind of like with my art where I have a system and a style and I just uh, go with it and get things done. Now, it's a little different when you're making music with a band. You got to try and please three or four other people. You may have to play songs that you don't really like, and the other guys may not like your songs. But that's why I love doing my art. I get an idea, and then I just work on it until I'm happy with it. And best of all, nobody resents me for doing too many paintings. Anyway, thanks to everybody who listens to this podcast on a regular basis. I really appreciate ya. But let's get into some listener questions, comments, and feedback. And first up is a question from Dan Singleton. And Dan is a good guy who has commissioned several paintings from me over the years. And recently, he had me do a painting of Neil Fallon, the singer for Clutch. And the way that usually works is how it worked with Dan. He messaged me and said, hey, could you do a painting of Neil Fallon for me? And I said, sure. 
And then I worked up a drawing. I sent that to Dan. He liked it. And so I went ahead and painted it, sent him a picture of the painting, and he loved it. And it can also work that way for you. If there's a rock star, doesn't matter how obscure it might be, or an athlete or whatever, uh, you want a painting of them, just message me and we'll talk about it. I just did another one for my friend Cole Woodard. He wanted a big painting of Mark Knopfler from Dire Straits. And I said, well, do you want money for nothing, Mark Knopfler, with the headband? And he said, no, I want older Mark Knopfler. And I said, well, all right, you got it. And it turned out really sweet. It's a big one, like 24 by 30, and it's going to look great in his house. But I can also do smaller paintings. It's just up to you. But thanks so much to Cole and to Dan for keeping me alive. I really appreciate it. And now to Dan's question. He says, hey, Monty, does the sports media's Taylor Swift fetish make you consider rooting against the Chiefs? If not, what would it take? Okay, well, no, Taylor Swift is not going to make me start rooting against the Chiefs. I've been a Chiefs fan since the 70s, and I suffered through years of disappointment and frustration. And so now that they're winning with Patrick Mahomes, uh, I am going to go ahead and try and enjoy it all I can. But I do kind of understand the resentment now, because it's the way I used to feel about the Patriots and Tom Brady or the Dallas Cowboys, or it's the way I feel about the Houston Astros now. And so I understand, uh, if your team sucks, then you probably get tired of seeing Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey on all the commercials. But honestly, uh, there's a couple of those that I don't even like. I mean, I love Mahomes, and I think most of his are pretty good, especially the ones with Andy Reid. Those are great, but the one with Kelsey where he's pushing vaccines for Pfizer, that one bothered me. However, it's not going to stop me from clapping and screaming every time he catches a pass. And I don't really care if he's dating Taylor Swift, just as long as she doesn't dump him in the middle of the playoffs. I would hate for him to get depressed and have it throw his game off. But yeah, I get it. The media overhypes everything. And I understand if you're annoyed at uh, all the shots of her at the Chiefs games. But for me, when I see her jumping up and down when Travis scores a touchdown, I just think, eh, it's kind of cute. It kind of seems like it's the first time she's ever watched football in her life, so uh, it doesn't really bother me. And more than likely, it's not going to last forever. My guess is she'll probably move on to somebody else before the season's even over. I mean, they may break up before I even get this podcast done. It, it would be nice to see that. Now, what would it take for me to root against the Chiefs? Wow. Well, all I can think of is if LeBron James bought the Kansas City Chiefs, traded away Mahomes, and then uh, renamed the Chiefs the Kansas City LeBrons. I'm pretty sure that would do it. There's no doubt about it. Okay, on the last episode, I talked a little bit about bands who are retiring, and Brian Herman had a comment concerning that. He said, hey, Monty, speaking of bands that retired, except had essentially retired and in 2010 found new life with a new vocalist. Queensryche also found a second career with Todd LaTorre. Striper, uh, with their original singer, has also been putting out amazing records as well. 
Some say these bands' new releases rival their original material. What is your opinion of the new era of these bands or any others who have had a resurgence? Okay, Brian, well, you know, of the bands you mentioned, I gotta be honest, I heard the first Queensryche album that uh, they did with Todd LaTorre, and I also saw them live. And for me, you know, Todd's a great singer, they're still a great band, but without Jeff Tate and Chris DeGarmo, it just wasn't uh, Operation Mindcrime. I've got nothing against them, and maybe I'll like something they do in the future, but uh, for me, I just uh, prefer the older stuff. As far as Accept, uh, they're one of those bands I just wish would have stayed together. I've liked some of the stuff that Wolf Hoffman's done with the new version of Accept with uh, the new singer, and I've even liked some of Udo's stuff. But man, when you had both of them in the same band, it was great. But like I said, Accept's done some cool stuff since Udo left, and uh, here's one that I really like. So that was Accept off the Stampede album. But moving right along, I got a message from Jamie Roller on Facebook, and he suggested that I go ahead and pay to have the commercials removed on YouTube. He said he did it and it's totally worth it. And I'll tell you, I don't doubt it. And I'm actually going to consider it one of these days, because I watch a lot of YouTube and those things drive me absolutely insane. Not only are they constantly popping up and interrupting the video I'm watching, but the commercials these days I just find offensive. And I've talked about this many times, and I think this started a few years ago during all the Black Lives Matter stuff, but it's gotten to the point where you rarely see a white person anymore on a commercial. And if you do happen to see a white male, they portray him as an idiot. And my problem isn't really with the blacks or Hispanics or Indians or Asians who dominate these commercials. My real problem is with the woke assholes making these commercials. 
I mean, congratulations, guys. You've proven how open-minded and diverse you are. But guess what? White people also drive cars and eat hamburgers and pizza. But I don't think they even really care anymore if they sell anything or not. I think these commercials are just sending a message and trying to prove a point. Because honestly, I don't even pay any attention to the products anymore. I couldn't tell you what they're advertising because I'm too distracted sitting there going, okay, there hasn't been a white person in the last five commercials. There's three black guys, an Indian and an Asian all hanging out. And how did a black guy and Hispanic woman give birth to an Asian kid? I'm just mind boggled. So thank you, Jamie, for the suggestion. And one day, if I can afford it, I may just do it. I may just uh, remove the commercials from YouTube by paying them like 11 bucks a month. It would probably be worth it. But I also have a suggestion for you, Jamie Roller. I still think you should change your middle name to Rockin'. Because Jamie Rockin' Roller would be the greatest name ever. But middle names are really kind of weird if you think about it. I know there's a few people that use their middle name as their first name or they end up using their middle name as their last name. But I think the majority of people don't really use it at all. And I don't even know the middle name of most of my best friends. My middle name is Craig, Monty Craig Colvin, and I'm not even sure where my folks got that from. But I suppose it does distinguish me from all of the other Monty Colvins in the world. But the funniest story I've ever heard about a middle name was from Adam Carolla. He said that when he was born, his folks didn't give him a middle name. And Adam wondered for years what the deal was, and he finally asked his dad, uh, why didn't you give me a middle name? And his dad said, uh, I don't know. Apparently his folks were so lame that they not only didn't bother to give him a middle name, they didn't take any pictures of him when he was a kid. So he went most of his life without even having a middle name. But one day as an adult, he was somewhere filling out paperwork for a driver's license or something like that. When he got to the space that said middle name, he just put Lakers. And so now his full name is Adam Lakers Corolla, and I think that is hilarious. Yeah, yeah it is. Alright, how about I do a CD review of the new album by Prong? But before I do that, I gotta tell a little story. Because every time Prong comes out with a new album, or I hear a song by Prong, I always think of this guy I knew in Kansas City named Bobby. You see, Bobby was a nice guy and a Galactic Cowboy fan, and he was also a drummer, and when I moved to Kansas City in the late 90s, he uh, got a hold of me somehow and said, hey, you gotta come out and see my band. And so I did, and they were doing a couple of Galactic songs, and I got up and jammed with them. And after that, every now and then, I would run into Bobby, and I would say, hey, what are you doing? And almost every time he would say, uh, I'm in a new band and we're uh, gonna sound like Prong. And I'd say, oh yeah? And he'd go, yeah, I love Prong. Well, around that same time, I was trying to put a band together to do some crunchy shows. And I asked Bobby if he'd want to try out and he said, yeah. And so I gave him a demo of all the songs I'd written. Well, I was starting to kind of get desperate to find a drummer because when I moved there, I figured it'd be easy to find a good drummer in Kansas City. 
but I auditioned about 11 different guys and they either A, weren't very good or B, they were kind of flaky. For instance, I would always give them a tape before they got there of a bunch of songs and I figured they would at least learn maybe two or three of them. But most of them didn't even act like they had listened to the tape. And one of them even admitted it. We played through a couple of them and it was really horrible and he just stopped and went, yeah, I'm not gonna shit, yeah, uh, I don't know the songs. And I said, oh, okay, well, thanks for coming. And so a word of advice from me, if you're trying out for a band, learn the songs before you go to an audition. Otherwise, you're just wasting everyone's time. But at any rate, I finally got with Bobby, I tried him out and I thought he was good and I said, all right, Bobby, you're the man. And so I set up a show where we were going to open for somebody there in Kansas City. And we practiced for a couple of weeks. And I thought, you know, we just need one more practice before we play this gig. And we get to the rehearsal room and Bobby's drums are sitting there, but there's no Bobby. And Bobby never shows up for practice. And so I go home and I call Bobby and there's no answer. And I try emailing him and there's no response. And I went for months without hearing from him or knowing what the deal was. But I finally got a message from him and he said, uh, you know, I had to leave town. I can't really explain, but I'm sorry. And I thought that was really weird, but I had no choice but just to go find somebody else to play drums on the first Crunchy album. And I think it was a couple of years before I saw Bobby again, but I ran into him at a club. And I said, hey, Bobby, what you up to these days? And he said, oh, I'm starting a band and we're going to sound like prong. Oh, of course. And so now every time when I hear the name prong, I think of Bobby. And this week when I heard their new album, I thought, you know, Bobby would love this. And honestly, I kind of do too. The name of their new album is called State of Emergency. Dig, if you will, a sampling. Prong is one of those bands that I don't listen to that often, but every time I do, I enjoy it. Because, let's face it, Prong is badass. And that's really the best way to summarize them. The songs aren't what I would call amazing, but they just consistently rock.
I can't really compare this album to other prong albums because honestly, they kind of all sound the same to me. But do I care? Uh, not really. The thing I love about prong is Tommy Victor's guitar tone. It's thick and meaty and punches you in the face. And occasionally he hits you with a nice melody hook. Some of this stuff kind of reminds me of Killing Joke, another band that I really like. There's also elements of punk, and uh, it also reminds me of early 80s thrash at times. So if you're in the mood for some heavy riffs or just something that kind of kicks ass, uh, this might be for you. So there's a CD review of the new album from Prong, and I like it. And for years I've done CD reviews and concert reviews of bands that I like. And I've turned a lot of people on to bands that they would have never heard otherwise. And I've just tried my best to expose people to new music. But the thing I've come to realize over the years is that a lot of you out there don't really like the music that I like. For instance, I've gotten a lot of feedback over the last like 14, 15 years from people out there saying, I don't like Screamo. I don't like it when they scream. Which is fine to each his own. Metalcore isn't for everyone. But I kind of got tired of all the complaints, and so I finally just backed off of playing that kind of stuff on this show. And so ordinarily in the past, uh, I would have given you a concert review of a show that Alex and I went to a couple of weeks ago, which was Parkway Drive. And I would have played you clips of the three opening bands, and I would have told you what I thought of them. But more than likely, most of you would not care about that or enjoy that. And it would just be taking away time that you could be spending listening to your King's X, Dream Theater, and Porcupine Tree albums. Yeah! 
So I will just quickly say that Alex and I had a great time. It was at a really cool venue called the Mission Ballroom. It's in Denver. It holds about three or 4,000 people. And it was pretty much packed out. And when we walked in the door, the girl taking the tickets looked at my driver's license and could not believe her eyes that a 64-year-old guy with a red beard was going to something like this. But I did not care because we went right down in front of the stage and rocked our butts off for the entire evening. Which is just weird. Now, just for the slight chance that you might be interested, I will tell you that all the bands on this tour are from Australia. And I really liked the first band. They were called Make Them Suffer. And I'm sure you can tell by their name that yes, they are quite heavy. But they laid down some awesome grooves and they had this chick on keyboards that sang a lot of the melodic stuff. And I really liked them a lot. I'm not interested! However, the second band was called North Lane and they did not have a bass player. And so I immediately had a problem with that. Uh, they were also a little too electronic for me and I didn't really dig them too much. However, the third band was Amity Affliction and I do like them. They're heavy, but they got a lot of melody and good songs. And of course, the headliner was Parkway Drive. Nope, not interested. And if you're not familiar with them, they're kind of in the same realm as Killswitch Engage, but mix in a little Thin Lizzy guitar and it kind of sounds like this. I don't want to hear it. Overall, it was a lot of fun. When Parkway Drive came out for the encore, the whole stage kind of set on fire, and the drummer ended up drumming upside down. And what more could you want from a rock concert? That sounds awful for me, but I mean, to each his own. In summary, if you want to make them suffer, go to North Lane, take Amity Affliction, and then turn on Parkway Drive. And if you get lost on the way, uh, just go home. What are you, a freak? You know, I'm getting to the age now where I'm starting to think about exercising and watching what I eat. And it really sucks because I used to not have to worry about any of that. But now when we go to the grocery store, I have to pass by the candy aisle. 
And, of course, it's the Halloween season, so all of that stuff is just right out there in front, just tempting me. And Alex will ask me if I want some candy corn, and I'll just say, eh, I better not. But then we'll walk over by the ice cream section, and I can't help but look, because, man, do I love ice cream. It's like heroin. And I don't even need all those weird flavors that Ben & Jerry's has. I'm good with just some vanilla bean. And I know I shouldn't even walk down that aisle, but I can't resist. And the other day, I'm kind of casually strolling through, and I kind of look out of the corner of my eye, and I see a whole case full of ice cream sandwiches. And I start thinking, oh, that would be so good. And I finally turn my head, and I'm just staring right in there at them. And I can feel my willpower breaking down. And I can feel my hands start to reach out for the handle that is going to open up the glass case that contains all this goodness. But right before I open the door, I happen to glance up and see this package on the top shelf. And there's 18 humongously big ice cream sandwiches in it. And I'm thinking, oh yeah. But just as I'm reaching up to grab them, I happen to see the name on the box. And I look a little closer, and then I see that the name of this product and these ice cream sandwiches is Fat Boy. Oh, oh my God. That's right. It's like God himself slapped me in the face and said no. And so I slowly backed up and walked away. And that's the way it is these days. When you get older, you start thinking about things like death. And I don't want to think about that kind of stuff, but uh, you're almost forced to. You've got all these musicians and celebrities that have been around seemingly your whole life, and now they're kicking off. And it's just kind of sad. For instance, Suzanne Somers recently passed away. And I didn't even know she was sick, so it just kind of came out of nowhere. But when I heard about it, I started thinking back to when I was in high school. I was a skinny, shy guy who played basketball, but wasn't very popular. And I think I maybe had one or two dates the entire four years. And while the other kids my age were out trying to find beer and get drunk, uh, I would just stay home. And I had this little 12-inch black and white TV in my bedroom. And, of course, my parents told me not to watch any of those naughty shows like Three's Company. But, of course, I did anyway. In fact, I never missed an episode of that or Charlie's Angels. And a typical Saturday night for me when I was 18 was watching Solid Gold. Uh, remember that? Yeah, I hated the music, but I was quite fond of the dancers. So yes, I was pretty much a loser, but uh, like I said, I also played basketball. But my senior year was just a disaster. Uh, we had this coach that seemingly knew nothing about basketball because we had this 6'11 high school All-American on the team named Kevin Williams. And the coach's whole strategy was just throw the ball into Kevin. And we didn't even end up winning our conference, and uh, the coach benched me the last half of the season. And my dreams of playing in the NBA pretty much ended right there. So I ended up getting a guitar, and instead of just sitting in my room watching Three's Company, 
I sat alone in my room trying to learn how to play guitar for hours and hours. And eventually I started figuring out how to play stuff that was on the radio. And then I started playing along with my Thin Lizzy and UFO albums. And then I eventually started writing my own songs. And they were all terrible. And you're probably saying, oh, well, they couldn't have been that bad, Monty. But uh, yeah, they were. They all pretty much sucked. But I kept working at it, and 12 years later, I got signed to Geffen Records. And so pretty much it just all happened overnight. That's a hell of a story. Now here's an interesting question I got from Stu in Texas. And he asked me, what's the funniest misheard Galactic Cowboys or Crunchy lyric you've ever heard from a fan? All right, well, I'm sure it's happened many times, but the only thing I can think of was back when we first released Machine Fish. But before I tell this to you, I got to warn you, if there's anybody out there listening who is offended by innuendos or uh, off-color language... Or if there's any kids listening, uh, close all of your ears. This will only take a minute. But the story goes, there was a friend of mine who was playing the Machine Fish album at work. But there was also a lady in the room at the time. And the song Psychotic Companion was playing. Well, when it gets to the very end of the song, you hear my electronic affected voice say, Psychotic... Well, when this lady hears that, she spins around in her chair and says to my friend, Did he just say suck a dick? Ah! Yeah, so be careful how you say psychotic. Uh, It could be misunderstood. I find this offensive. Anyway, thanks for the question, Stu. Moving right along, let's do some Watts on TV. And I'll be honest, right now, mostly what I'm watching is sports. And I was at the pharmacy the other day, and the guy behind the counter said, Any big plans tonight? And I said, Well, I'm probably just going to watch some sports. And he said, Oh, yeah, what's going on? And I said, Well, there's a football game tonight. There's the baseball playoffs. There's uh, hockey and basketball. Besides that, not much. But that's kind of the way I roll. I'm a sports junkie. I don't apologize for that. But uh, Alex is very patient with me. And most of the time, she'll even watch the games with me. She might be on Facebook at the same time. But if the Avalanche or the Chiefs score, she will give me a high five. Uh, Other than that, I watch, like usual, a lot of YouTube. Because I like learning about stuff. I like to keep informed on what's going on in our corrupt society. And I like listening to people who pull no punches and just tell it like it is. And so I watch a lot of Adam Carolla, Matt Walsh, and uh, Jason Whitlock. I would highly suggest watching him. I also learn a lot about music, watching videos about rock and roll and heavy metal, etc. And recently, I watched some interviews with Morgan Rose from Seven Dust. Very interesting guy. I also watched one with Rex Brown from Pantera. There was one with Rick Beato interviewing Ingve Malmsteen. That was very interesting. He talked about everything from his guitars and amps to how he started playing. And he showed his picking technique. And uh, that guy's phenomenal. 
But one that I watched that really made me appreciate the guy was an interview with Dave Lombardo. And I know that a lot of people probably think that uh, since he was in Slayer, he's probably evil, satanic, or possibly a jerk. But everything I've ever seen of this guy, he just seems really cool, intelligent, and kind of humble. And I actually met him briefly back in the 90s at one of these metal conventions. And I was standing in the hallway and Alex Lifeson and Getty Lee walked by. And of course, you're not going to get near them. But all of a sudden, I realized that I'm standing right next to Dave Lombardo. And he says, hey, how's it going? And I'm like, good. And like we were best friends, he goes, uh, have you heard that new Prodigy album? And I go, no, I haven't. And he goes, it's really good. And I just thought, wow, this guy is really cool. And so that's what I learned from YouTube. This is fascinating. I also watched something from watching this show on Netflix called Love is Blind. It's a reality dating show where couples get engaged before they ever see each other. And the thing that I learned is apparently people in their 20s and early 30s these days are idiots. That's true. And let me be clear, I really didn't want to watch this, mainly because I had seen previous seasons of Love is Blind, and I know that I end up hating all of these people. I mean, it's worse than Survivor or Big Brother or all of them. But it's always the same. They talk themselves into being in love, and they ask the person on the other side of the wall, will you marry me? And they're all giddy, and oh, I'm going to spend the rest of my life with you. And then they spend a couple of days with each other. And then suddenly it all starts to come out, and things start to dissolve. And these arrogant narcissists who just wanted to be on TV suddenly realize, wait a minute, you mean I'm going to have to give of myself? And then it becomes, uh, I don't think so. I looked in his cabinets and he didn't have any china. So I would highly suggest you not watch Love is Blind unless you just want to laugh at some stupid people. It was impossible not to watch, wasn't it? So I've gone through almost this entire October episode without talking about Halloween. And the reason is, is that I care almost nothing about Halloween. I've been to a few Halloween parties over the years that were kind of fun. But other than that, it's just not a big deal to me at all. I know some people love it and they like to go to the Spirit Halloween store about five or six times a week during October. And they like to decorate the house and go trick-or-treating, even though they're fully grown adults and their kids don't care about it anymore. But hey, who am I to judge? And if you enjoy Halloween, more power to you. And so if you're one of those people who loves Halloween, I've been doing something here on the Rockcast for years just for you. And so I thought, what the heck, I'll continue the tradition this year by telling you one of my scary stories. But keep in mind that, you know, I've been told in the past that some of these stories are kind of disturbing, so uh, just be warned, they're not for the faint of heart. So proceed at your own peril, and uh, here we go. Prepare to be frightened. It 
it was a day like any other day when an average run-of-the-mill Joe Blow type guy needed to go to the grocery store. He went out, got in his car, and proceeded down the road until he came upon a stoplight. There was a car in front of him, but he paid little attention to it as he just sat there through the red light. After what seemed like 15 to 20 minutes, the light eventually turned green. The man prepared to step on his gas pedal and move forward, but for some strange reason, the car in front of him did not move. At first, just slightly annoyed, the man said to himself, Come on, come on, let's go, let's go. But instead of turning left, the car in front of him just kept sitting there. And the man grew increasingly impatient. Now starting to feel angry and possibly needing a high blood pressure pill, the man started to lose his temper. Because you see, there was absolutely no reason why the car in front of him should not be going. The man started thinking things like, what the hell is the deal? Do they not have anywhere to be? Or do they just want to sit here all day at this light? But the car in front of him just kept sitting there. It was as if the car had no driver. <coughs> but actually it did. Uh, there was somebody in the car. Uh, they just weren't turning. Now the man's frustration was boiling over, and he began unleashing a barrage of obscenity that would make a sailor blush. What the are you waiting for, you moron? He screamed. However, it was to no avail. It was as if the person in front of him couldn't even hear him. As the seconds kept ticking, the man looked up and noticed that the light had turned from green to yellow. Now violently beating his steering wheel and honking on his horn, the man had all but given up hope. When suddenly, but very, very slowly, the car in front of him began to turn left. The man watched as the car drove into the distance, but leaving him at another red light. No, 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 no! But there was nothing the man could do but sit there for the next 15 to 20 minutes and wonder why. The only explanation he could come up with was that the mysterious unknown driver was either a woman or maybe looking at their phone, or possibly both. Or another theory is that they just wanted to make the man miss the light, and so they just waited as long as possible to perform a twisted sick joke. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Legend has it that that red light never did turn green again. And the man is still there, waiting, losing his mind, going insane, and cursing at the top of his lungs. Jeez, well, I don't know about you, but after hearing that, I am in the mood for Halloween. In fact, I may conjure up the spirits of stupidity very soon. But first, I wanted to quickly give a few shout-outs. Thank you to Tim Andrews, Mallory Sides, and Rich Sienna for ordering my refrigerator magnets. Thanks to Eric Hansen for buying prints and refrigerator magnets. And thanks to Jeff Moore and Eric Malmstrom for your financial support of me and this show. You guys are just great brothers. And I really, really appreciate you so much. And to everybody else out there listening right now, I appreciate you too. Thank you for listening. And if you don't mind, uh, tell a friend about the show. And also tell them to go to MontyColvinArt.com. It's a great place to find Christmas gifts, and that'll be here before you know it. And I also wanted to mention, if you don't get enough of me on this podcast, check out another podcast called Area 312. I did an interview on there with Kent, and uh, it was a good time, and you can find that on YouTube. But it's time for me to get out of here, but I'm going to send you off with another scary song. And it's from a scary band called Get Scared. And yes, there's a little screaming in it. But seriously, if you can't handle a little of that during Halloween season, then just grow a pair. Because I'll tell you, this is a great song. It's called R.I.P. Rest in Peace by the band Get Scared. That's terrifying. But that's going to do it for now. I'll be back soon with more fun and mayhem. But until then... This has been Monty saying take care, don't let anyone tell you what to like, unless it's me, and rock on! Face to face
It's scary. It's very, very scary. 